Hey, welcome to another episode of Motherhood in Hollywood. This episode is sponsored by Bumby Box. Bumby Box is an eco-friendly toy subscription service. What that means is every month in the mail, you will get a box of toys that are perfectly chosen just for your child. And all of the toys inside each Bumby Box are fully sustainable. That means there's no harmful chemicals or plastics in the toys, which is a really comforting thought when you're a parent looking for the perfect toy to let your child play with. Go to BumbyBox.com right now, enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. Go to BumbyBox.com. BumbyBox is a better way to play. Motherhood in Hollywood is also sponsored by Up4 Probiotics. Up4 Probiotics has been making probiotics and only probiotics since 1979. You guys, that means they know what they're doing. I am so excited to have probiotics in my life and also I'm giving it to my daughter because they make kids cubes. They're kids cube probiotics that can help your child with their any digestive issues. I know they've helped Channing with some of her digestive issues. So it's really been a game changer for us. Go to up4probiotics.com right now to find out the different variety of probiotics that they have to offer from children's to senior citizens. That's up for the number four probiotics.com. And they're also available in your local Target store. That's right. Next time you're out shopping, super easy. Just pop by the vitamin and nutrition area and check out up for probiotics. They've been creating a happier inside since 1979. Come on, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker. You've landed at the best party on the planet. That's right. That's Motherhood in Hollywood. Um, Not drinking. Want to be drinking. It's a Friday afternoon, and um, I'm behind Sketch on doing everything with Motherhood in Hollywood, per usual. I don't know if you guys have been looking at the blog lately, but I'm trying to start ramping it up. I'm ramping up the writing over on Motherhood in Hollywood. I find that I have so many ideas and so many things I want to say that, honestly, it's overwhelming sometimes. And then I don't do anything. I just kind of go, I'm just too tired. I don't want to write any of it. Plus, also, as somebody who is a writer and has a very public website and blog, I tend to kind of go, I don't know if people really care about this. Like, why would I write about this mundane, something that's seemingly mundane, but kind of funny to me? I don't know if people would be interested. It's been kind of fun talking to a lot of other writers and mom bloggers and, you know, who are kind of just like, you know what, though? You got to just do it anyway. You got to get your words out there, your voice out there, um, just for your own creativity's sake and your own creative juices to flow. But also, who knows? Somebody might read it and they might relate to it and think it's interesting. Like I wrote an article this week about how I freaking peed my pants the other day. I'm still so, I'm literally, my face is getting red right now just thinking about it. I had gone out, um, to have a couple of drinks for a friend's birthday, my friend Will's birthday. And I was hanging out talking, literally just had like two beers and we got up to say goodbye. And I was like, Oh my God, I love you guys. Happy birthday. And I was walking to my car and I thought I got to pee real bad. Should I go now? No, no, I'll make it. I mean, I'm always just literally like less than 10 minutes from my house. The pain 
that I was experiencing on the way to my house because the pee hit and it hit hard and I was like, I'm not going to make it. And I ended up just sort of like busting through my front door and like screaming, I'm peeing as I'm like running to the bathroom. (laughs) I have never thought that I would experience such a floppy bladder at this point in my life. Um, I mean, I assume when I'm older that I would have this issue. But if I'm having this issue now, what is going to be happening when I'm in my like 60s and 70s? I feel like it's just going to be like a just an open sieve. Like just everything's just going to fall right out of me. (laughs) So gross. Welcome to the show. Um, uh, I want to tell you quickly, oh, my guest today on the show is Jenica Schwartzman. She is a mom and a producer and an actor, and she started producing because she decided, um, like so many people are now, just to take this town uh, by the reins and just start creating her own content, and she started making her own indie films. She and her husband have a production company, and she talks about the indie world and the challenges she's faced, and the obstacles she's overcome and it's it's a really great story for anybody who's interested in producing and writing and creating their own movies we talk a lot about tv here on mother in hollywood but hey i love movies too we got to make movies too right i'm ready to be in bad moms too if anyone's interested if you know a guy i'm ready um, I also quickly want to say hi to new followers over on Twitter. I know you guys are like, oh, good. Stop doing this. I have to. I want you all to feel the love. I want you guys to feel involved. Um, I want to say hi to Tina Thompson. Thank you for following and finding me and enjoying the show. And I also want to say what's up to, have I already said hi to to Despina, to Misfit underscore mom. If I haven't, hello, welcome, and thank you for following me. I also want to say hi to Lisa Cook at Kids Swim LA. Thank you so much for finding Motherhood in Hollywood. Appreciate ya. Um, a lot of exciting and funny and ridiculous things happening over on Twitter. If you don't follow me over there, go to MIH Podcast where you can check it out. Go to my website, Motherhood in Hollywood, where you can see all of the silly things that I'm talking about that I'm writing. I also um, have been writing recently recently for mom.me. That's such a thrill for me because they are such a big website um, that connects exactly um, or connects with a lot of the people that share similar stories as mine, silly fun moms. Um, So they're letting me write. They're letting me, uh, they're letting me go over there, letting me write some crazy things. So go and check that out if you get a chance. Um, What else is happening? So, okay, this is really exciting. Next week, the next episode, is going to be my one year, exactly, my one year anniversary of doing Motherhood in Hollywood. And it's been a little whirlwind of a year, to say the least. Um, And I'm going to talk a lot more about that in the next episode. But just know I have some fun things planned. And I have a very special guest that's coming on the show. I cannot wait to share that with you guys. Um, so be on the lookout for that. If you haven't subscribed yet to motherhood in Hollywood, please do that. It would mean the world to me. And then if you have friends who might also enjoy the show, share it with them. Alrighty. That does it for my mommy monologue. I'm going to wrap it up and let you guys listen to my interview with mom, producer, actress, writer, Jenica Schwartzman. people call you Jenna a lot? Do you no. Know I only get Jenica. I think um, once people understand Jenica as like Jessica with N's, they don't want to like mess with it and just be like Jen because 
I'm making you do the work of learn the name anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. even like my brothers, they still say Jenica most of the time. So nobody says Jen or Ica? No, um, for fun. No. Jenica, Nika. Like anything's for fun, but like in general, people call me the, all Jenica. Jenica. Um, so we're talking to Jenica today about her birth story. No. <laughs> See, what I do is I get you comfortable. You spill your beans and then I go, we're done. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, coming in. Hmm, I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> That's so fantastic though. I am shocked that a doctor would not have been like, Hey, we need to get this baby out. They did. And I said, At no. That, oh, you were, a lot. you were resisting. Because there was no reason. They did non-stress tests every two days to like oh. make sure everything was fine. And they had no medical reason. And we we did inductions and none of them worked oh so, so you were feeling like mother nature then was telling you it's not time it's not time like we did the the balloon we did the everything I've done everything on the list <laughs> I've had the salad three times I've oh, drank yeah, an entire salad. bottle of disgusting horrible things like castor oil everything and I've gone down to two minutes of active labor multiple times and then stopped Wow. And it was just wasn't time. And we were out of amniotic fluids. But so the baby had to. was not in distress and they weren't worried at all that the baby was. No, they were confused. I'm sure. But yeah. that was it. But nobody was actually concerned for the baby's health until the last induction, our last day, because we signed out of the hospital and went home against their wishes again. <laughs> and um, we finally went in and was like, well, there's no more fluid. We have to get the baby out today. So we'll do Pitocin. And I'm very much against uh, overuse, but this is the purpose it was made for. So we sat there and we did one drop and my uh, uterus contracted and the baby's heart stopped because there's no fluid. So the blood couldn't flow to the baby if the baby's squished. So they had to stop and the doctor was so nice and said, I know you wanted like a natural birth and we wanted to do that, but we have to do a C-section. I was like, yes, get the baby out now. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, now, yeah. like health is of the concern. It was never a concern before. And they said, actually, it's not an emergency. So we're going to mm-hmm. like get the baby's heart back and then just leave him inside you for eight hours until we're ready to like cut him out. So his heart stopped twice more that day. Oh my gosh. One drop of Pitocin was too dangerous for us. But we knew that somehow. Or- oh yeah. Watching your baby's heart monitor with like, fear for eight hours straight like I hope everything's cool they'll cut him out in a second but the doctor afterwards said I asked her like what type of stitching she's doing I like grilled her Uh, she said it's the literally the easiest c-section she's ever done Mm -hmm. I lost the least amount of blood she's ever seen that she Mm -hmm. didn't know was possible yeah so I think my body was ready everything was fine they had to like yank him out Mm -hmm. and she said my womb was dry and black Oh, and she's like, I've never seen that before. And I was like, of course, why would you ever seen that? Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. horrible. Why do, yeah. why do they think that happened? Because you had gone past your due date for so long? or Yeah. Um, my placenta had crystallization. So they know that the baby was past due. Um, some research into it over the years, my chiropractor and I have discussed it. She has discussed with me the possibility that I've done a lot of egg donations in the past mm-hmm. and the research That's hasn't caught up six different egg donations. Wow. Okay. Uh, the research hasn't caught up with the science to figure out what causes what, but some women have extra scar tissue inside that may contribute to them unable to them being unable to finish and get through active labor and have their babies anyway yeah, other than I C-section. About that. Yeah, okay. Um, and that's relatively new, and we think it could 
have something to do with it or it didn't have anything to do with it and my son didn't want to come out and he's fine and then when it was like a health issue we cut him out and he came out very easily he came out plump and beautiful like a one month old we will say he he smiled two weeks after he came out so we knew he was he was was a month and a half Oh my yeah. goodness. Well, I'm glad everything turned out okay. I have a yeah. feeling though that you're probably um like I can I can already tell that you told those doctors like no, we're not doing this. So you're probably like that in other areas of your life too. Yes. Are you kind of like the controlling lady, the A type personality? Yeah, and I'm very holistic and relaxed about things. Uh-huh. Like um they kept sending a doula over to my house to just like do relaxing activities, but I had no issue with relaxing because I'm a planner. So I have that like personality that makes me want to like research and plan and make sure we have it. But then I can settle into my intuition and just relax because things are cool. It was scary. I think the hardest thing ever was that me and my husband left the hospital, signed paperwork saying it's our fault and have a whole staff of people look at us like we're crazy people and go home and I went and got some acupuncture done and took a long bath and like went to sleep early. But that was something that was obviously very important to you and yeah. to have uh, to, to have the strength natural to do a real and, birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I wasn't fighting anything that was a medical necessity, so that's right. why we felt comfortable making choices based on what we felt was right at the time. Yeah. And it was probably the safest way it could have happened. Do you think you would do it again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, well... Now you know as a parent <laughs> that before you're afraid to trust your intuition mm-hmm. because it's it's all your fault and yeah. your child's going to die every night they go to sleep. Right, right. But once you have a child <laughs> for a fear. certain amount of time and you have enough confidence built up over the years, mm-hmm. there's the feeling of, oh, I'm a mama bear and I know it and yeah. I'm only going to make right decisions for my child against my will even. I'm yeah. going to do what's best and we want to do, we're going to plan for a home birth for a next baby yeah for the same reason that whatever happens if we can't either way we're prepared and we've planned right and all outcomes are okay we've just made sure to go through all the outcomes (laughs) (laughs) options all the scenarios I have several friends who um have had their first baby and they are uh, a year around a year old or less and they're going through a lot of those like are they supposed to do this should they be doing this a lot of questioning a lot of self-doubt and I'm like yeah I can't reassure them enough like it will be okay like you'll like yeah. I because you don't want to be arrogant and be like you'll see you know <laughs> I've been there trust I know what me like, you yeah um, and you don't want to like take away their feeling of their first time parent right. feelings that they have to go through e- exactly but you also I just also want to be like trust me it's gonna, you're gonna be fine like it's they they all go through these things um they so do. i want to talk to you about the area the industry area the entertainment area yes. of your life that you like to kind of take things by the balls can yes. i say that can i say that you'd like to do that i do <laughs> so yes are you and you i read that you've been acting for a really long time since you were a wee toddler right yes my parents raised me in the church so i've been acting by force a Mm -hmm. lot since I was young and I'm very comfortable on stage and I love theater and then when I started getting into film and studying acting I knew that film was for me because you can go so much further and do so much more and the medium of watching movies and television growing up is just so impactful Mm -hmm. it's the harmony of everything yeah and the stage is an unique experience that you cannot recreate Mm -hmm. I get that but not everybody can go to the theater. Right. And not everybody can enjoy that. And um, it is unpredictable, and I love that. But I love doing film. 
I love producing it now. My husband and I were working as actors and things, and things weren't being finished. Mm-hmm. And movies were just one part. Like you're a talking prop. Actors yeah. don't matter. Yeah, no, they um, don't. They're the they There's make or break everything. They do yeah. Like I think, I think actors at a certain level maybe you know yeah. once they're, you're the big star, but you're also producing. You also have a hand in the the whole production side of it. Those are the actors that opinions matter. But yeah, in general, you're plugging a hole. Like you're plugging a piece of the puzzle. Well, my friend Tony was saying that last week on our show. Like you're a part mm-hmm. of the puzzle. Find out where you fit. And that's what you do. Yeah. And it's really um, frustrating as an actor to be like, but I want just, I want to be in the puzzle. Like just put me in the puzzle somewhere. And what I think is great is that you have sort of turned to producing to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to make the puzzle. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. What was the impetus that made you do that? Because there's a lot of actors who are all kind of going, what can I do to take more control of my career? Um, my husband and I made a short first, and we worked on a web series and because we wanted to plug in more puzzle pieces and be different types of actors. But still, we understood how it worked a little bit. My brother's a director. We had the opportunity to, which not a lot of actors get, act in things and immediately see what it looks like. Act and immediately see and learn on a very fast like pace. Like you would watch on the monitor, like in the dailies? Or? Yeah, we would watch the dailies. We'd watch the editing cuts. We'd watch beginning to end. And that is an entirely different education yeah. for an actor. And if you don't get to see it in real life, not like at a film school where it's, you know, it's in an incubator, but... Um, it's not as risky. Yeah. But seeing it happen in front of your friends and having web series go public and um, early web series time and feeling all of those feelings, we learned a lot. But then I was lucky enough through incredible, ridiculous ways to be cast as the lead in a film uh, that somebody was making. And I loved working on it. I met great people. And then at the end of the film, my husband and I were like, oh, I can do that. Right. Like, oh, I could do that really well. <laughs> I just saw it beginning to end in somebody else's hands and every step of the way, I know how I would do it differently for me and not necessarily better, but for a project that I want to be a part of. So we started content creating. My husband's written before and we've made things in small ways and we've learned through editing um, all of the tricks and how this works as a big puzzle. So let's start from the beginning and write a script and hire and raise money, excuse me, and learn the research and do the crowdfunding and then figure out how many credit cards can you take out in two people's (laughs) names and how can I do it this way and learn all the SAG stuff. So I loved learning and And it only makes me a better actor. The money, right? Like the money is impossible. There, I've, you know, I read all the stories about Kevin Smith, who, you know, maxed out credit cards and he made clerks and that, of like, course. helped him make all the other ones. And there's other filmmakers that have done it, too. His stands out in my mind a lot. But whenever I hear of people who are doing that, it terrifies me. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't even pay my, my, <laughs> my shopping credit cards. Like, yeah. it's terrible. So I can't imagine maxing out a card and, like, making a movie. But I think, I mean, I guess if you're going to do it, that's the way to do it. I mean, other people we know, our peers are buying houses, mm. and we're not. Yeah. But we're going to have movies on the shelf at the end. Yeah. And it's not a race. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a marathon. A marathon. <laughs> it is. It is. Because yeah. I think there's a misconception that sometimes when we see somebody who's famous or in the spotlight, that they are just, they just appeared from nowhere. Like, where did this person come from? Where did, you know... But the truth is most of those people who are really successful actors have been working for a very long time Mm -hmm. 
and just finally got the right part with the right script at the right time and and uh, you know connected i think it's fantastic that you're making movies now you've already made one uh well one technically feature. i've made eight you made eight <laughs> features no i mean you produced- technically uh we financed and wrote my husband and i and co-produced two features now the second okay. one is in post-production but we've produced on uh several more than we personally wrote okay yeah so you're really going for it like crazy. yeah I get to play this last feature that we shot in January. I got to play a woman who can't have kids, who's struggling with identity, a woman in her 30s who plan A is destroyed and starting over with plan B and what does that look like? And no one would ever give me this role Mm. because that's just not a nobody type role. Um, Isn't that interesting? I, I hate that you even have to think that because we as actors are told so many times you're who are you? You know, like yeah. you're nobody. Like I've had people, um, uh, actually in auditions, you know, ask about my social media following and I'm like, why does that matter? It should be inappropriate to ask. Yeah. They can look it up themselves Yeah, no, good or only. it shouldn't matter because shouldn't matter, but in the does. room. Oh, hundred percent. But it does. And it's I like, looked up that stuff when I cast people. It's so frustrating. Yeah. But did you feel like it made a difference in your casting? Did you let it affect your casting choices? Uh, We have, over the last few years, decided and discussed that choosing people based on what they could be and um, what they have following and all those things are actually the biggest mistakes we've ever made. Really? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Um, When it tips the scales. Not Mm -hmm. like taking it into consideration, because we always take it into consideration. Like, like, oh my God, I can't believe your stand-up went so well last night, Joseph. You're amazing. Let's work on your following. Like, it matters. It helps. Yeah. it's engaging and engaging is real. It's not fake. Fake followers um, is people that we are hoping will do something for us. And then they don't. Because we're not their passion project. This is my yeah. passion project. They're going to do it for their passion project and they should because it's their following. Yeah. Nobody should be following them for what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm working on something I care enough about that I'm going to make happen. And when it tips the scales over talent, it's an issue. If it doesn't tip the scales over talent, it's fine. I think it's all for grabs. Yeah. It is definitely becoming, though, a situation where more and more producers and the powers mm-hmm. that be are looking to social media outlets to see or looking at social media following to see who to cast and decide who to cast. I mean, you may have been the best person in the room for the, a part, but if you have 2,000 Twitter followers and somebody else has 20,000, like, that may be it. And that's such a shame. Um, it, We've also felt that the best person in the room is always going to be better in the long run Mm -hmm. because if you don't have something to rely on, uh, we have actors that we meet all the time that are hustle and they care and they're passionate and every passion project that they encounter becomes their passion project. And their longevity of attending film festivals with us, supporting us, being a part of the conversation years down the line, excuse me, uh, giving out the DVDs as gifts to extended family members for Mm -hmm. like generations, going to whatever, like that is so much more interesting and engaging because one-on-one face-to-face is always more powerful. It is much better way to get your film's message across. And we like to make movies that have a message and the message is kind of more important because again, it's a marathon. I want the messages over the years to add up to an audience engagement with people who genuinely have something at stake. Like our film 
promotes a certain amount of uh, identity and understanding of who you are and changing your life and taking control and promotes adoption, Mm -hmm. you know, things that we believe in. So those are the people that we want in the long term. And they're, they're not mutually exclusive with social media following. Right. But I mean, if I have an actress who we do and we love that will go to every film festival and will meet people and personally invite them to her movie, Mm -hmm. that's kind of better. Yeah. (laughs) Because every person that sees the movie is a better person than somebody who will share it. Right. Now, how are your movies being received? Because it's, you know, I think there's a little bit of... um, there's a few actors that have done movies that have kind of given us a bad name (laughs) 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 who are like, maybe you guys shouldn't make movies, but how is it going with you guys? Are you finding that you're uh, finding a niche you're creating, you're kind of carving out a spot for your production company? Yeah. It's difficult because each film is supposed to be different. And our first big flagship film that Ryan and I did called Gordon Family Tree, uh, we went with a, according to our sales rep at the time, a middle of the road, very responsible, good reporting uh, distributor. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did DVD and digital and we did an a la carte deal, which is unheard of. And we were actually turned down many times from the DVD distributor about it to go with a primarily um, a digital company and then work with another company to do just DVD. And they didn't have digital rights. So they said no three times before they said yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a unique experience of getting it out there. And what we found is that middle America loved the message of our film. And we had a lot of film lovers uh, enjoy the film, but the message wasn't really for them. It was about doing what you love. And a lot of people that we know in the film industry are already doing what they love. Right. Right, (laughs) They already see the value. And the message isn't necessarily for them. The message is for other people who uh, may be on the edge of what they want to do in life. Um, It's about a guy who travels the the America and builds tree houses. Oh, um, cool. anonymously and you don't even know till really the end that he's been building tree houses all along but he goes and he helps people and he learns that carpentry and working with your hands is a valuable skill and I think that it's a good message for me and I've watched it I don't know 875 times <laughs> <laughs> every single screener we sent to a festival I watched beginning to end oh my god it's my job and yeah. quality control is just on my shoulders right right um it was a great experience because our feedback you'll see online like films like let's say Inception fabulous film so great people on the internet are not nice even though i would say arguably in phenomenal film i could not say anything negative about publicly for real um and people said negative things about us but we've got really 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 positive responses that heavily outweigh that on the internet i mean you know i've encountered some of that too and i'm like calm down like who are you why do you have the time and the energy to be so hateful online that just kills no reason to spread negativity no opinions are fine right but we've found the positivity has far outweighed the negativity that's made us feel really good about what we do and we've gone to a lot of film festivals and done a lot of research and watching film festival movies in particular Um, they usually have a dark macabre interesting niche about them but the filmmaking level might not be as high as it should be for the message they're sending and it might not be like um, landing every time film festivals that accepted our film loved us and gave us awards because they're like oh my god we can get the community to come to this film and enjoy it yeah (laughs) and it's very hard to have a film that has good quality and a good message at this level because it's either like a disney or it's a big one or it's just a really unfortunate christian movie 
we are really diving deep into the indie film world in this week's episode. So I want to take a minute to tell you guys a little bit about Bumby Box, our sponsor for Motherhood in Hollywood. BumbyBox.com is where you need to go to find out how you can get eco-friendly, fully sustainable toys delivered right to your door. Each of the toys are play-based. Each box comes with activities and songs. All of them have been especially chosen just for your child. BumbyBox.com is where you need to go to find out more about how you can get your hands on these toys and enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. BumbyBox.com is where you need to go. Motherhood in Hollywood is also sponsored by Up4 Probiotics. Up4 has been around making probiotics and only probiotics since 1979. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, if I'm going to use a company or use a product that involves health or the health of my family, I'm definitely going to go with a company that's well-established and has been winning awards at what they're doing. And that's what's happening over at Up4. You can get Up4 Probiotics available for children all the way up through senior age. They have a 50 and over probiotic that's specifically designed for senior citizens. They're all made in their state-of-the-art facility and they've trademarked their super strain. That's pretty amazing. Their super strain of probiotics. So you know they know what they're doing and also they're backing it up with 40 years of research. Go now to up4probiotics.com to find the probiotic product probiotic product. Say that 10 times. The probiotic product that works best for you. Also, you can find them in your local Target store. Super easy. Next time you're at Target buying your new bikini, pop into the vitamin section and check out all of the Up4 probiotics and find out which one is right for your family. And I want to tell you guys about a special Up4 giveaway that Motherhood in Hollywood is doing. Go to motherhoodinhollywood.com, enter the giveaway, and you could win your own bundle of Up4 probiotics. Doesn't get much easier than that, guys. Go to motherhoodandhollywood.com for details. Do you think that that's because there are not a lot of indie filmmakers that are, I don't know, I don't want to say not able to make movies because I know that everybody's trying on some level. A lot of indie filmmakers are trying. I think you actually you hit the nail on the head with they're, they're they're all so dark and they're all so edgy. A lot of indie films are that way. Or they're just not done very well. Writer-directors, awesome, um, often lose all their money on film one because it's a lot of work. And mm. then it's a scrape to do number two when you've learned everything and you should be making yeah. your film, yeah. <laughs> including us. And I think it's hard to learn all the things you were supposed to learn and then go public with number two or number three or number four without falling into things that make you want to make your money back, which mm-hmm. are pitfalls of specific genres that maybe you're not the best person to tell a story in that genre Mm. um specific uh sexual activity or um things that you're aiming for that help you get money um actors paying for big talent yeah so there's a lot of issues that i think are battling at this level which you would think is the opposite but at this level you want to make your money back even more because it's yours Because it's hard to get an investor to give you what you want on a low-budget and micro-budget level, of course. I'm not talking about um, independent films like Silver Silver Linings Playlist. Right, right. That's a different... I'm tired of people calling those (laughs) movies independent. Those are not independent films. They're made by massive production companies and Very massive that came on board at some point, but they all started maybe that way. Yeah. Um, What was it? Um, Matthew McConaughey, when he won the Oscar, that movie 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were searching for, the writers were searching for eight years for people to back this film, but they got the the script in front of the right people. Mm -hmm. And that's just amazing. It's just not the journey we're going to be on. And I'd rather make a movie instead of wait eight years to have a movie, hopefully. Yeah. And we're very happy with what we're making. We're very proud of what we're making. And we are learning. We are humbled by our experience. Everything I learned on movie one, big movie one, that we just uh, implemented in movie two, it was a very painful experience for me as a producer and star because it is hard to juggle. I'm also a mom now. Mm-hmm. Um, my heart is in a different place as soon as like the day's over. Mm-hmm. And I can't fix the things I've already learned because all of the things I already learned can only be fixed with money. Right. And I can put in all the effort and I can make it happen and I can ask for favors and I can get sponsors and I can hustle, hustle, hustle. But the things that I've learned that I need to fix the most are things that are outside of my control. And my husband and I can't put our life on the sidelines for another movie like this because we need other people to step up who have money and who can take a chance on our knowledge and see that we have a portfolio Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we can show them the money. We're very transparent. We could say, this is how much money it made. This is how much money it didn't make. This This is the mistakes we made and these are the good things we did. And for each movie, it will get better. Are you reaching out to those people now? Are you having those meetings now with people for like no. development? For Investors next? are impossible ghosts that are connection only. Uh, we have people in Arkansas where we filmed the last two who have connections to people with money because they live in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And then we have people in California who meeting people who are like having meetings and Ryan and I don't get meetings. God, that would be so frustrating to know that that exists. You know that that side of of the world exists and you're like I've got to meet with these people in order to try to convince them to give me money to do what I love doing Mm -hmm. um that's like that's like a business you know that's at its core like that's a business you know for people who are trying to start their business and do their business like please give me in money to do what I want to do and we're on slate and we're on those places to meet those people Mm -hmm. but there's a lot more people who can talk and they can tell me what I need to fix than there are people who can say oh I trust your vision I loved the script yeah Mm -hmm. here's two or three hundred thousand of my farming money or my whatever money that I have um, because it's easier to work with somebody who wants to be involved in film yeah. who doesn't have a relationship with film in the first place so finding yeah. investors outside of the film world is weird and impossible did you ever see a few years ago Alec Baldwin did a I documentary. did you see that oh 95% of your job is getting money yeah yeah 5% like, is making movies. everybody I've asked about that everyone's like no I haven't seen that and I'm of like of course it's been it was fascinating watching him go to like these schmoozy parties mm-hmm. and like talk to these very wealthy Middle Easterners or like people who really have no connection with the movie business but beg them for money and then he talked to all these stars who were like yeah, like it takes a ridiculous amount of begging to get anything made. You yeah, know? Alec Baldwin can't make a movie. Yeah, <laughs> and I have a problem that I can't make a movie, but we can both make movies. We're just going to have to make them differently than you want to. Right. Or for somebody else who has money, like the the documentary shows, a hundred percent is you make deals with people who don't know what they they're just in control of something they shouldn't be in control of because they shouldn't be involved in the art and they shouldn't right. be deciding who you cast But because that's not at all how you make a good movie. No, but they've got the purse strings. I mean, they're yep. the ones that hold, hold the... Well, I just don't understand why making movies has to be so expensive. Like, I, yeah. you know, I feel like it, it didn't used to be this way, but... 
oh, but it was so much more for film. Do you think it was like? Oh yeah, I think it was impossible before. I think you mm-hmm. could make a not good movie before really well. Yeah, um, and probably the eighties have, <laughs> have proven that there were lots of bad movies. But made. the um, the strict guidelines we have, we had this few issues getting our first film through iTunes first pass of quality control because a few small things they had issue with. Um, that our director was like, well, we could fix that or I can explain to you why it's that way. Um, there were such strict guidelines. And we have another movie really? we made in 2009 that I love and I have a huge heart for it. And it's in, um, oh gosh, excuse my brain's gone. It's in 720 instead of 1080. Okay, um, yeah. So the mm-hmm. distributor who totally was on board and said he'd market it a certain way and he would get out there said, oh, Oh, I didn't realize in 720, of course, we can't have that at all. Not oh. a single outlet will take your film. We're like, well, that's not true because we see it all the time. He's like, no, I won't, I won't handle that movie. But it's like, but in 2009, that was okay. It just needed to be finished. And now it's kind of a period piece and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing we can do about a mainstream distributor, which oh, we're fine. No. We're going indie anyway. So yeah. we're happy. But those are things that are holding you back, so which are advances in technology that happen while you're making the film. But and also independent film takes learning. five years. Yeah. And things you're kind of learning along the way. Like, I can't imagine the scope of information and things you have to cover as a producer um, mm-hmm. on, a, on a feature film like that. There are things that are outside of my control, like, for instance, insurance and workers' comp. And mm-hmm. SAG requires you to do W-2 payroll, which is insane and silly and doesn't make any sense to me. Um, there Even are things, if you're not paying your actors? or If you're paying your actors, you have to do it that way. If you're not paying your actors, depending on the state you're filming and what the mm-hmm. laws are for Arkansas, um, it didn't matter how we did people who weren't being paid um, because they weren't considered professional actors according to SAG, so it didn't matter. Um, but the laws, and I don't know how a small business ever survives, by the way. Um, the accounting, the quarterly accounting, I'm getting emails every month and mail every month for things that I have to do. And I'm like, but the movie's done and the LLC is still running, but I have to do it this way and I have to pay for an accountant to make sure that I am doing it all right because occasionally something gets done almost right and I fail and uh-huh. I have to pay a fee. And then I have to pay for the residuals, which an ultra low budget contract, the residuals are actually, if you do the numbers, actually impossible to do under an ultra low budget wow, because so if it above the line or if you can only make the film for $250,000 but you could eventually actually be paid at the end of the day $600,000 for an ultra low budget, that doesn't cover the accounting for the next 15 years or the five years for the residuals. That it would cost Just to the pay accounting someone to, to pay all of the To do the residuals, residuals appropriately. Oh my it's gosh. actually physically impossible, though. Is I that try. something you have addressed with SAG? Because I feel oh, like yeah. I'm always getting emails from them. Like, I'm getting audited by SAG's health and pension department right now because I got paid the amount that I need for my health insurance. Oh wow! But it's like, but I'm the producer. They're yeah, like, yeah, but it's a red flag. So we need um, a rough cut of your film. We need. And I was like, no, that's not happening. Yeah. Um, we need your script. Fine. We need all of your paperwork all over again. We need this. We need that. And it's like a mile long thing. What they need because I'm being audited because I might need health insurance and I'm acting and I am also a producer. I'm so. That sounds like such a nightmare. It is a nightmare. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying oh it costs gosh. so much money is regulation, yeah. um, which I'm really happy about because as a SAG actor, I'm like, yay, regulation. Yeah. <laughs> I love being able to pee and drink water. Right, right. Yay. I love being treated well and like having appropriate hours. Uh, but also when you go to a distributor, it costs you another $2,500 for insurance just to be distributed for errors and emissions insurance. Oh, geez. Impossible stuff. 
So it's obvious why you want to make more films. No. Mm-hmm. Well, I've already <laughs> learned it. So going. I might as well just keep doing it. Why not? <laughs> um, and you mentioned earlier something about Christian indie films. Is that yeah. your genre? No, not at all. And people think it is. Oh, really? Because it's family appropriate content. And we've had. I assume that it has a, a message. Um, yeah, any type of message that has any type of love or positivity or the word inspirational um, comes with a faith light quotation around it. Mm-hmm. We went through the Dove um, approval so that people who are looking for family appropriate content can search us and find our movie, which is, again, like a huge deal. Approved for all ages by the Dove Foundation is a big deal. Yeah. However, that makes you a Christian movie for some reason. Yeah. And I am personally a believer, but it has nothing to do with the ma- movies I'm making. And it's actually hurting us that other people, a production company we've worked with, has made it clear to us that they don't want to be associated. Really? And that they're having a hard time. And it's not like they're people that are not of faith, but it's actually going to hurt them in the long run with their reputation to making Faith Light, which is not Faith Films. Yeah. Um, family friendly. Family friendly. And family I'm friendly so shocked is. shocked by that because yeah. I feel like there is such an audience for faith based and Christian films there is i feel like they're just wanting to you know it's a huge audience however but that's not your vision it's not an appropriate audience for the message because the word family like um there's a few other like this you can make a film that's horror that's family you can make a film that's a drama that's family that's comedy that's family family is not a genre Mm -hmm. however we've decided that family appropriate content goes under that genre and there is kids like when you go through HBO Go, there's kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the family appropriate content can go there and it can go in comedy and can go multiple places. But when you're an independent filmmaker, um, you have to be pigeonholed really early for your distributor to trust whether or not they can market your film. And the Christian audience has a lot of money. Yeah. So if you go that direction, you can get more money. So yeah. your distributor is going to do it. But that's not something you want to do. No, I'm because I was raised a believer and I was raised in the church. We were, we were raised as people who are living... Um, a normal life that is spiritual and that is fluid in all areas of your life. And when you make a film that's evangelical specifically, yeah. you're only serving people preaching to the choir. Yeah. And I don't want to preach to the choir because I have been most impacted in my life by things that were outside of that of realm. Of your comfort zone and outside yeah. of your world. Yeah. Like Dave Matthews can sing about Jesus and nobody cares because yeah. it's Dave Matthews. Right. Um, but he can have an impact on the world. Right. Uh, through his actual music and I want to have an impact on the world I don't want to have impact on the people who I may or may not have grown up with because it's not why you make movies I want to make a movie like if I'm making a movie about a guy who wants to do what he loves for a living I want to have middle America some of them aren't doing what they love right (laughs) they don't live in a big city Um, right very expensive sacrifices they're not choosing their dreams they might need a film that's like pushing them in the direction to be like you're right working with my hands and being a carpenter is like a really great wonderful job I should have pride in what I do Mm -hmm. and with Parker's Anchor the second film we just shot that we're in post-production a message about the second part of your life the second chapter our generation is Mm going to go through multiple chapters my mom's just now being affected by that where yeah, she was in the ministry for 30 years, and then, no, for 10 years, I'm going to do this, and then that doesn't work out. I'm no longer in education. For 10 years, I'm going to be a music teacher. Mm-hmm. For 10 years, I'm going to do this, because that's what we are living now. Right. And if you're an artist, it's a marathon. But if we lived anywhere else, I would be 
this for 10 years or 15 years and then you kind of get into a different area and then your needs change and then your family life changes so you can work full time so you kind of like meld into something else was so, your mom a preacher no my mom was an associate pastor and worship leader my dad oh, was the yeah. pastor I love that so would you rather ha- say like are you would you rather describe your movies are they more inspirational or do you really feel like family friendly is kind of what I feel like the movies that I want to make over the lifetime of our company, Purpose Pictures, are just going to be films that we feel the message we want to get out, and none of those messages necessarily have to be family-friendly or appropriate or curse-free or whatever, abuse-free. Right, like right. I am, We are open to anything. There will be eventually, I'm sure, nudity and death and murder and action and stuff like that because I love that too. Yeah. There's so much fun. If I want to be put into puzzle pieces, there's so much more fun that I want to have than um, tame. And it's not realistic to be tame. Right. It's not realistic. Like you said, sometimes you have big feelings and big feelings can only be accompanied by the F word. Yeah. <laughs> because you can let them release. Yeah. And you learn that actually in, I'm sure, Lamaze and different places you learn oh, about sure, birth, sure. that big feelings can be released in different ways. And words have connotations in life. And I don't like certain words. I love other words. And I feel that way about violence and love and mm-hmm. romance. It's but a whole also, big world. Act, that actor side of you, too, also probably is just itching to kind of. Oh, I can't to wait to murder somebody with like, <laughs> with like, not a gun, but like a bat, something where yeah. I can really get. Just like let it out. Yeah, you just want to like every give actor it. has that inner like a little inner crazy that they're just like let give me a character <laughs> to just kind of play this and then I'm okay. Yeah, you know? like I need to do it. Yeah, but it's a, it it won't consume me at the end of the day. But I want to be dangerous because right. I um, I am dangerous. <laughs> You're a mom. You know that there's like this weird part of you when you have a kid that you picture your child dying a thousand ways a day. Yeah, because what it's about it's evolution. So because you're trying to protect your child. I so I can think, see death everywhere. Yeah, like it makes you dark. Don't go that way. Don't do that. And I constantly in my mind am thinking, what what are the dangers that were? But I'm not like to the crazy point where I'm like, there's danger around every corner. Like no, but but you absorb it it yourself. Yeah. And evolutionarily speaking, like you breathe and dream Mm -hmm. death for a long time. Yeah. Because you love. Worry about your baby. Yeah. So how are you balancing then? And I use the word balance just because. I like it. Um, and you don't, and you may not be balancing. That's totally fine. But how are you figuring everything out with being a mom and also this production company and wanting to act and all of that stuff? Cause it's not easy in LA and it's not. Um, so how are you figuring it out? What's going on? Um, I think balancing uh, the visual is wrong, but the word is 100% correct. I've got balance tattooed on my back. <laughs> L- um, the funny thing is that it's not balanced the way that it's written, and I, th- I love that because um, there is a season, turn, 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 turn. and uh, there is a season of my child being a baby where he's the most important thing in the world, and I can't do anything else no matter how hard I try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there is a season for other things. When I was on set, I couldn't see my son for 12 hours straight. That's the longest I'd been away from his physical body mm-hmm. my entire his entire existence my entire uh, relationship with him and that was difficult but it was important good for him good for me it was a season and then when the movie was over he was attached to me and we ruined all of our work before then getting Aww. him to be a single human um, but we're in that we're in a constant ebb and flow of he's going to be watched by other people and he's going to grow and be his own person and I have to let that go and then after I'm done letting that go I can step into the business part of me and actually work and think and remember and you get your mommy brain like working with your real brain and it 
you can't do two things at the same time that are across, like you can't bipartisan, like your brain. You could either be a mom or you could be an actual hardworking yeah, dark it's, artist. It's, it's weird to do, do it at the same minute. It's weird to do it at the same moment, for sure. Like, I find that I'm like, okay, I just need you to watch TV for just a couple minutes because I got to go in there and do some... Like, I got to focus. I have to focus on a few, like, businessy type things. And she, fortunately, is pretty cool. Like, she'll come in and go, motherhood in Hollywood. And, like, she gets it, and she likes to sit down, and she'll pretend to talk into the microphone. And, you know, while I'm, like, sending emails or whatever. So it's really cute. Um, and that's how I'm trying to kind of work her into it but there are moments when I'm like I really just need you to get out <laughs> for yeah. like a minute please um but she's she's pretty chill kid so I feel pretty lucky that she she gets it kind of um and I think all moms out here are still trying to figure out how can we pursue our dreams and still you know make family a priority and there's it's it's hard and it's an ongoing thing it's possible. It's achievable. I it mean, feels better to do it than to not do it. I was going to say, it. do you feel like you're doing it? I mean, because when you're in the middle yes. of living it, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this moment where we both don't have our children with yeah, us, us, I feel like it. I'm me. I feel like I want to celebrate all the time. We like I'm keeping it. it together. I haven't had any emergency texts, so I feel good. Um, I was at a premiere last week. Uh, for a film, Ridge Runners, which is a sex trafficking tri- crime drama. I'm the lead detective. Again, somebody might not have given me this role if it wasn't in the independent world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. Being a cop was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved every minute of it. And it was the first time we were out of state and we were with a stranger babysitter. And throughout the movie, my husband's phone rang like a hundred times from everybody but the babysitter. Oh, wow. So we just kept like every few seconds, look at the phone. Freak out. Okay. Go back to being people again. <gasps> Freak out. Okay. Go back to being people again. And it's so hard, but it's certainly, it's an emotional tug for yeah. sure. It took, it took away from the experience, but it also added too because I got to have my son at the after party Aww, and he I got to meet that. the director's kids. And we have a whole other generation of people who are all in it together. And I grew up yeah. in the ministry. So being a pastor's kid, you're mm-hmm. always with your parents and you're always doing things with them. Oh yeah. The PKs. So you have no life other than mm-hmm. like their life and they're always balancing the two. It's the exact same lifestyle I was raised in and I feel like it made me a better person. Mm-hmm. He's great at independent play, all the healthy crap. But also I started writing for Ms. in the Biz, which I'm very um, excited and honored yeah. about. And I'm writing more articles about being a independent or yeah indie work at home parent filmmaker Uh because it's such a specific thing Mm -hmm. because I wish somebody had written things for me yeah and that's why finding this podcast was wonderful it's like yes other people doing it gives you that extra spark and that extra motivation to just keep doing what you're already doing and you already enjoy but then you feel more confident in it because you're in a community and community is the difference between life and death I'm fascinated by the number of women that I'm meeting and dads, moms and dads that oh, I'm yeah. meeting who are they're so in love with being a mom. They're <sighs> loving it and yes. they're loving being a parent. The but best. they also, it doesn't mean you have to give up on the industry. I think no. maybe 20 years ago, there was, you know, a time when women were being let go from of course, jobs if they got pregnant. Uh, but now if somebody tried to do that, if like, you know, uh, somebody, celebrity got pregnant, like um, Mila Kunis just announced they're having their second baby. <laughs> if so like happy. a producer, <laughs> if a producer was like, um, no, you're fired, they would be on social media. Like a heartbeat and it would just mm-hmm. be like, Rawr, you know? So I, I think the tide is turning more in our favor to support family and film life. Mm-hmm. Well, what know? is the most tried and true movie that you know you're going to enjoy when you go to the theater? 
It's a Pixar film, let's be oh, honest. No, no, no. And at I'm the excited. end where it says show babies yeah. and they list all the babies. So cute. They are people who are juggling family and art at all times. Their yeah. job is harder than ours because they're like in it all the time mm-hmm. with extremely big, huge projects with lots of like people and pressure angles. And a lot of lots on of the pressure. Mm-hmm. And they make their corporate culture, they make the most wonderful family purpose-driven loving films that Mm -hmm. are great for most audiences across the world and it's because they're people and they're people you have to be a full person and some people having kids is or isn't for them but for me having kids is for me and so I have to be a full person to do my best job and my son watching me do it does make me do a better job and it does make me have more integrity yeah oh I love that that's such a sweet sentiment. I love it. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. Yeah, I know. Don't ever listen. Um, okay, so where can people find you? Where can they watch all the things you're doing and stalk you on the social media? It's a great question. Last time when I was listening to this podcast, I was thinking that this is such a hard question for people who have full lives <laughs> because Twitter is probably my work life at Jenica Renee, Jenica like Jessica, J-E-N-N-I-C-A-R-E-N-E-E, um, is where I put things that are like very open. My grandma's not on Twitter, so I could be <laughs> a lot more of myself. But Instagram is where I am my whole self because there's a lot of pictures of my son doing things with me. Right, right. So I'd say at Instagram it's the same, at Jenica Renee is where I am my full human being self uh, publicly and okay, and I've decided my grandma's not on there, but my mom is. Uh, Facebook is my personal life yeah like I share lots of personal things and I share lots of public professional things but um that's how I talk to like my grandma and my cousins and Facebook I'm using as what Facebook's meant for right 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 um but do you have um where can people go watch your movies Gordon Family Tree is on Amazon um if you want to put it give a DVD to your grandmother she's gonna love the movie (laughs) um or Father's Day Mm -hmm. but there's also um all the internet outlets like iTunes, Amazon, everything, um, awesome. Hulu. You can watch Gordon Family Tree anywhere. And then we have a few other films that are going to be releasing this year. And Parker Zenker hopefully will be on all of the above as well. But, um, yeah, I think all that's right. my main one. Well, and I will also make sure that I put links to that info oh, well, on thank you. my website. I appreciate too, it. On Motherhood in Hollywood. Thank you so much for coming by and sharing your story and like, <laughs> literally letting me talk to you about everything from your birth plan. Anytime. To your movie plan. Like we, we just ran the gamut. <laughs> We're very transparent, Ryan and I, because we think that education is important. Mm-hmm. And I always think being a witness of all you do is important because right. people can take and not take what they want. And there's no reason for me to be private really about anything because the things I'm most private about are the things I feel the most strongly about. Right. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, if you, you talk about what you want to talk about and what you feel the most comfortable with. So I say, I, as someone who's interviewing you, I say, get it all out there. And I'm glad you did. As a podcast person. As a podcast lady. The more, the merrier. <laughs> the more salacious, the better, too. Exactly. What have you got? No. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again for coming on. And you guys, everyone go to motherhoodandhollywood.com. I'll put some information there about Jenica as well. And follow me on Twitter at MIH Podcast. And search, of course, Motherhood in Hollywood on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you guys for listening. Jenica, thank you again for coming on the thank show. Thank you. And don't forget... I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye, guys. Have a great week. Mama funny. Balls.